Today at Kalos Church, we're talking about how God uses a broken past. Welcome to Kalos Church. My name is Pradeepan. And I'm Amrita. And Kalos means beautiful in Greek. We know a lot of people have heard or seen ugly things in the church, but we really believe that when you look at the words and the ways of Jesus, it's actually quite beautiful. And so we're a community where we ask the question, what is so beautiful about Jesus? And if you want to get content like this every week, please subscribe to us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram. Yes, we are so glad that you joined us online today. Mm -hmm. In fact, we've got some people right now in the comments that are ready to greet you and say hello. Yes. So you can go ahead and say hi right now. And in just a few minutes, Pastor Pradeepan is going to bring an incredible word today. But before he does that, every single week, we connect with one another mm -hmm. and share good news and share also news that would make us come together in prayer mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah. And so I want to share some good news with you. And the the place that we share the most as Kayla's Church right now in quarantine is on our private Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And you actually are welcome to join our page. All you have to do is come to our Zoom crash course right after this. Come meet yeah. us. It's right after church today, after this service. And we would love to connect with you. And then we'll pull you right into that Facebook group because all week we are talking to one another, sharing prayer requests, yeah. sharing memes, yep. laughing, love just it. being community <laughs> together. Mm -hmm. Well, here Here's some good news for you today. Our friends, Ty and Jay Hansen, um, their father actually uh, went into the hospital. That's not the good news. He went into the hospital and has been having some chronic illness um, and found out that he had pneumonia and mm. was in the emergency room. Wow. And you know, right now, this is a really difficult time to be in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And so Ty actually posted on our Facebook group where the whole community is together and just said, would you pray for my dad? Mm. And sure enough, there were so many people that liked and yes. commented and said, I'm mm -hmm. praying for your dad. We're going to pray that God would come and heal him and he would mm -hmm. get out of the hospital. And just a few days later, sure enough, he was released That's from awesome. the ER. It's incredible. Come on, somebody. Prayer works, my friends. And I tell you what, we are a praying church yeah. and God is answering Amen prayers. The other thing I want to do today is pray together. And yeah. we also had um, someone share that they're praying that their loved ones and a specific family member would come to know Jesus yeah. and surrender life to Jesus. And to be really honest, I love this prayer request yeah. because there are so many people, so many of our own family members who don't know the love of mm -hmm. Jesus. And one of the best ways to help them know that is not only sharing the gospel, but praying yeah. for people. Yes. So I want to spend some time today and let's pray. If there's someone in your family or mm -hmm. some one of your friends that you know is very close to you that you would like for us to pray for, I want you to think about their name right now. And yeah. we're going to pray all together that people would come to know Jesus Christ mm -hmm. as their Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for what you're doing on the earth. I mm -hmm. thank you, God, that you are pursuing your people. Yes. And Lord, I pray right now for this family member, God, that needs to know you. Yes. And Father, may be uh, lost and searching and asking questions, and that's mm -hmm. okay. But God, I pray that this person and anyone else that we're thinking of right now, a family member, a neighbor, mm -hmm. a friend who might need to surrender their life to Jesus, who is looking for hope and love, God, I pray that you would 
would use us to help yes, people Lord. find Jesus. Yes. So Lord, we pray that the lost would come home, yes. Lord Jesus. And God, that you would touch hearts. And Lord, we just lift up these people and ask, Lord God, that they would surrender their lives to mm -hmm. you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, let's hear an incredible word by Pastor Pradeepin. Go ahead and give us a digital high five. Say amen as he's preaching throughout the sermon. And let's hear a great word. Yes, well, I'm so excited to start chapter two of Esther. If you don't know, we're going through the book of Esther as a church and we are reading together. We're preaching chapter by chapter through this whole book. If you want to follow along with us and see our reading plan, go to kalos.church slash Esther and you can see an overview and you can join along with us. If you were with us last week, you'll realize very quickly that this is not the VeggieTale version of the book yeah. and it's not the movie version, One Night with the King. It's actually pretty scandalous and speaks to our circumstance in a very wild way. It talks about racism and government uh, oppression and whether to kneel or not and just all these wild times that honestly, I feel like the Holy Spirit speaking through it in a way that we would have not creatively thought of with our own wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so let's jump into chapter two and see what the Lord would speak to us today. It says in chapter two, but after Xerxes' anger had subsided, he began thinking about Vashti and what she had done and the decree he had made. So his personal attendants suggested, let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. Hagar, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. After that, the young woman who most pleases the king will be made queen instead of Vashti. This advice was very appealing to the king, so he put the plan into effect. You know, when we look at this, it seems like current day reality TV, like America's Got Talent or The Bachelor or American Idol or The Voice, which uh, full disclosure, I'm a huge fan of those kinds yes, of shows. Yeah. In fact, my, my wife here, Amritha, says I'm kind of obsessed. You are. I, I just love the suspense. I love how people rise to the occasion or sink under the pressure of singing a song or proposing a new song like on Songland. I just love it. Anybody with me just can't get enough of those show <laughs> hours and hours and hours just watching Simon. Simon, <laughs> what are you going to say next? <laughs> he is just a wild guy. Yes. And when we look at the story of Esther, it's like, wow, this is a, a beauty pageant. This is a competition. This is just like the show The Bachelor. But actually, when we look at it and, and realize the context of the story is actually kind of dark and kind of tragic. And let's go to verse eight. And, and I want you to see if you notice some of the words that describe this moment that are kind of dark. In verse eight, it says, as a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem. In verse 12, before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments, six months with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfume and ointments. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. 
So yes, she becomes queen. And yes, it can at face value look like this Cinderella rags to riches story, but it's actually kind of crazy dark. And we're going to go in a little deeper. I want you to see another description of this moment. Esther, a young, undeniably beautiful woman orphaned by the death of her parents. She has no clear religious practice or stated devotion to the God of the Bible. She's put into the court of the pagan king. Without a hint of Daniel-like civil disobedience, she goes all in to win a Persian game sex survivor with the prize being named New Queen, one with the price of her virginity given out of wedlock to a gentile and as we look at the story and maybe you might be wondering why was i taught this glamorous version of the story and i i just think when it comes to scandal in our lives in our history in the bible sometimes we we like to minimize pain and, and glamorize the opportunity and there, that's no different than in the story and maybe in your life you you've gone through some things and instead of like diving into the pain of it you just try to distract yourself or minimize it. You're like, oh yeah, I went through that. Yeah, my my family's dealt with that. Yes, this is part of my history. Yes, this has happened to me, but we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to like dwell on that. Let's just move on. I'm saved. Jesus loves me. Let's just walk past that. And we just like minimize this and we glamorize. I have a life with Jesus now. I'm fully restored. I'm full, full of hope, but we, I just don't want to talk about that anymore. Let's move on to the other side. And I don't know, maybe you're like that, where we minimize certain parts of our story, we glamorize other parts of it, and we're, we're unwilling to dive into the full reality, the full pain, the full tragedy of our circumstance. And I, I think oftentimes as the church, we, we do this. And I want to dive a little more into the story of Esther and really focus on the fact that we minimize the slavery of Esther. Another way of reading the story is over the course of several months, one by one, scores of pagan Persian women would spend a night alone with the king. Far from an innocent series of introductory first dates, these evenings were auditions where the king would decide who delighted him the best. Those who were tried and found lacking would be demoted to a secondary harem to be forgotten, while a singular winner would be declared. It is this highly competitive environment where Esther, a Jewish virgin, found favor with the king who crowned her, her, her queen. And, and, and this is wild. The, the scripture says she was taken by the king's decree as a young woman. And as we learned in chapter one, if you like fought against the king decree, you could be banished from the entire kingdom. Can you imagine being a young girl mm. and you're being taken mm. and you don't have a choice in the matter. You can't say no to a decree. You have to do that. And there's probably, you know, what I, from what I'm reading about 400 other young virgins who are in the same sex competition where they have to have sex with the most powerful man in the world before they're married against their will. They don't have a choice in the matter. And uh, this is a tragic story. This is a painful history. This is a dark past. And, and while we oftentimes glamorize this story, ah, oh, she gets to be queen. This is a story of sex trafficking. What is sex trafficking? Sexual trafficking is the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harbor, or receipt of people by coercive or abusive means for the purpose of sexual exploitation. And I, I think this is not like reality TV show like The Bachelor or American Idol. This is a tragic story. 
And we like to gloss over this. And I think there are other tragic parts of our history that we like to gloss over. Right now, there's a lot of unrest in our nation because the, the voice that cries out against injustice is realizing that we are still experiencing the pain of slavery as a nation. We are still experiencing the, the pain that many of us have chosen to gloss over. And it's, it's really at the forefront right now. You know, I don't know, like as we see a lot of protests and a lot of anger, I think some of us are so quick to minimize that pain. But when we look at American history, we realize we are a nation that was founded off of slavery. We gained economic traction by taking people from a different land, using them as objects to help us in our fields, to help our nation grow and flourish with different crops. And, and that's a painful history. And sometimes we think that was so long ago, but like, let's look at this graphic. We can see that that history was not that long ago. There are people with grandparents and great grandparents who have experienced these pains through firsthand stories. Our history of segregation is like something our parents have experienced people who have remember the time where they had to go to different bathrooms or, or different water fountains. And this is something that many of us just choose not to acknowledge. We just say, I'm not racist. You know, why can't we just move on? I didn't create this problem. Like this is like something that is part of a past that was so long ago. But to be honest, as a person of color, like I'm not, I'm not a black man, but I am a brown man. And I have experienced first hand accounts of racism and things that have been designed with people of color really not in mind. I remember in junior high, I had my first girlfriend and I asked her out. A lot of my friends encouraged me to ask her out on a date and ask her to be my girlfriend. And so on a whim and on a dare, I did it. And she said, yes, my first girlfriend. Aren't you happy? <laughs> Yes. Yes. And I'm married to you now, but I had a girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, uh, eventually, as junior high situations go, she sent a friend to dump me for her. You can't do that in, in person in junior high. No, no, no. You got to send a messenger. And so uh, I asked, well, why, why doesn't she want to be my girlfriend anymore? And uh, it's sad to say that she said, uh, my parents don't want me to, to date someone who isn't white. And so that's why I have to, to end this relationship with Pradeepin. You know, she's someone who would have said, like, I'm not racist, but I, I just don't want to, I don't, I just don't want to cause any trouble with my family. And this is not that long ago. This yeah. is like my childhood. Yeah. Like, this is pretty near and dear to my reality. And I, I just like, you know, acknowledge that there, there are hard issues, but there are also design issues that I've, I've faced growing up. Like scantrons, you know, those bubbles that you fill out with tests. I don't know if people are doing that anymore, but when you took tests by uh, a pencil and a paper, you had this like form you'd fill out and they never had enough blanks for my name. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't designed with people like me in mind. Mm -hmm. and I just believe that there are things in America that aren't designed with people of color in mind, aren't designed with our history of oppression and slavery in mind, even things as simple as like, like an iPhone, you know, the iPhone that we have, it uses a facial recognition system, but it, it was not designed with people with brown faces in mind. And so while it will unlock uh, the phone for a white person using their face, it can't recognize my dark skin. And so it won't open. And just like 
that iPhone wasn't designed with me in mind. There are a lot of things that just kind of minimize our history and our pain. And racism is not as far away as many of us think it is. It, it's here. And as I see people crying out because of the pain of injustice and racism, what I see is what we've done with the book of Esther. We, we minimize the tragic story and the pain that she faced. Yeah. And we do the same thing with racial injustice. You know, there's this quote that, that really resonated with me as I, I thought about my circumstances. And it says this, one of the most hurtful things we can do is make mourners justify their pain. Mm. Hey, why are you feeling that way? There's all these other issues. How can we talk about your injustice when there's this injustice out of there or there's this circumstance? Like, hey, let's just not focus on you. If we're going to talk about your pain, let's talk about all the pains that have ever existed in the world. And, and so we try to make people compare their pain to other pain. And that's just not what you do when people are suffering and are in despair and are feeling pain and are crying out. Like we don't make people justify their hurt. You don't have to. I mean, that's just not okay. And so I don't know what, what are some of the things you can do, you know, especially as people of color, a lot of people have been asking us, like, what do we do with people's pain? How, how do we respond? And I just think we, we need to, as the church especially, need to have this mentality that we didn't create the problem, but we can create the solution. Yeah. I like how Pastor Mike Todd says it. He says, hey, it's not our fault but it's our fight. Mm -hmm. And it it just reminds me that like Esther, she was placed in the circumstance against her choice. She didn't really have a say in the matter, but as we're going to find out in the book, she used her position and she used these circumstances to bring justice and freedom to a lot of people. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read the rest of the book. But I love that she used her circumstance for other people. And I I love the story that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 10. I want to read it. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Someone asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him into an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. You know, these Levites and this priest, they see someone who's in pain. They see someone who's been beat up and left on the side of the road, someone who's just in distress. And they were like, I don't want to be associated with that. That's not my problem. I didn't beat him up. I didn't throw him in the ditch. I didn't throw him in the side of the road. And so I just, I don't want to be caught up in that. And so let's just walk to the other side of the road. And I I just feel like, man, if we have, as a church, say these things like, you know what? I didn't have slaves. I didn't vote for segregation. It's not my problem. So I just need to be silent and walk to the other side of the road. I don't think we're treating people like our neighbors. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're loving people like Jesus in the scripture is calling us to, to love. But look at what the Good Samaritan 
does someone who is from a different ethnicity samaritans back in that day were considered like half breeds a different race like someone from a lesser part of society we don't associate but this person said you know what i am going to help i am going to enter into the pain i didn't create the problem but i can create the solution so i'm going to use my own money I'm going to use my own time. I'm going to use everything at my disposal to help this person. And we see that like, you know, compassion without action is just observation. And we can't just be people who see what's happening and walk to the other side of the road. I love that. In this story, he says, I am going to enter in. I see a need and I'm going to take the lead and being part of the solution. Amen. Man, as the church... We cannot stay silent anymore. Yeah. We are called to fight for justice. Yeah. We are called to shine a light into the darkness. We are called to stay on the same side of the street as those who are crying out in pain, not minimizing pain, but entering pain Amen. with the love of Jesus. Yeah. You know what? It's going to cost us though. Even in this time of racism, it feels like it's a political issue. Even as a pastor, I feel hesitant to talk about racism because it feels like we're taking a political side. But the fact is, if we as the church don't advocate that all people were created in the image of God, and when one of us suffers, all of us suffer, yeah. if we can't do that as the church, like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's good. We need to make known the beauty of Jesus when people around us are suffering. And it will cost us. People will attack us. You know, sometimes we think of Dr. Martin Luther King as someone who everybody loved, everybody was on the same side of, as him at the time, but he faced persecution. He was killed for his beliefs. You know, I was looking up some stats about him and I found that, you know, he was called the most dangerous man in America by the FBI and had a 17,000 page FBI file at the time of his death. According to the Harrison Poll, 50% told Harrison pollsters that Martin Luther King Jr. hurt the Negro cause of civil rights in 1966. But he was a man who said, you know what? I'm just not going to stay silent. I'm going to fight for people's civil rights and freedom to be treated with dignity. And you know what? It cost him. It hurt him. People spoke ill of him, but he did it anyways. And I think that's what we need to do as a church. Are we going to do everything right all the time? No. Will we say all the right words in the right time? No. Will we say things that might sound offensive and we might have to repent for it and say, oh, I'm trying to do good, but I, I just am not perfect. I, I have a dark past. I have a broken yeah. reality, but yeah. God used me anyways, just like Esther, you know, yeah. she didn't choose her circumstance, but she said, you know what, Lord, if I can do this, I will do it. And if I perish, I perish. I'm just alluding to some further chapters in the book. Yeah. But she, she, she made a difference, even though she had a dark past. And I believe that God can do that with us. Amen. And so America has a, a dark past. We have a dark history, but we cannot let our past talk us out of our future. And we as a church believe that God can bring reconciliation. He can bring hope. He can bring unity. He can bring justice as the church rises to the occasion. And so even though we didn't create the problem, we will create the solution as a church. And we want to announce something that we're doing in about two weeks on mm -hmm. June 28th at 3 p.m. on a Sunday in the downtown Bellevue Park. We are going to host a prayer 
meeting where we're going to pray against racial injustice and we're going to pray for justice. We're going to host a time of repentance. We're going to worship together and we're going to seek the Lord and we are going to protest the gates of hell. And we're going to say, hey, racism will not be our identity and we will come against it in the name of Jesus and make known the beauty of Jesus in this circumstance. And so we want to invite you to join us at the downtown Bellevue Park on that day where we're going to actually gather with multiple churches for this reason where we say the church will not be silent the church will not walk to the other side of the road but we will stand up and we will be a voice for those who feel like they don't have a voice and so join us at the park and we're following the example of jesus who when we were lost when we felt like we lost our voice when we were trapped in sin when we were oppressed by the the powers of darkness in our life jesus left heaven and he came to earth and he lived a perfect life and eventually he was opposed and killed and treated like a criminal but on that cross when he was crucified he absorbed the sins of the world He absorbed the oppression that was laid heavy on our backs. And he said, hey, I can't ignore your pain. And I'm going to enter into it for your sake and for your freedom. And that's the kind of Jesus we serve. And we will not just receive his love, but we will freely give his love and follow his example. Amen. And so church, it's not our fault, but it is our fight. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your example. And I pray that we would be like the Good Samaritan. We wouldn't walk to the other side of the road, but we would enter into pain and despair and tragedy. We wouldn't minimize other people's suffering. That just like the Good Samaritan, he gave up his own money to help someone. And Lord, even if it costs us, Lord, I pray that you would use us as a church to help people who are crying out and that we wouldn't minimize tragedy of any sort, Lord. That we would say, Help us, Lord, to mourn with those who mourn and that we would be light in times of darkness, we pray. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.